All right. Well, welcome back to the X Factor Open Podcast. It's been a while since I've uh, since I've done it, and that's man, I, something I'm kind of regretting. I, I love doing these podcasts, so I'm hanging out with Stephen Doobie, uh, Idaho boy. Uh, yeah. I've known Stephen for man. It's been a long time since maybe like ten or eleven years old. I would say. I bet longer than that. Yeah. I bet I was probably seven, maybe. Yeah. So we uh, we go way back, and uh, and man, to kind of watch you go through the levels and get to where you're heading with that now is awesome because I know it's it's not an easy thing to, to rodeo and, and to get there and, and man you've done a really good job so I'm excited to excited to talk about it today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Alright, well let's get a little background on you. Grew up in Idaho, uh, it's kinda of, where 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 are you from, man? <laughs> man, I'm from Caldwell. Uh, I went to Caldwell Rodeo every year in Nampa. It's but like every other kid, I grew up roping. I mean, from the time I was two, we was roping. That was it, what we did. And so do you think that's been something that's always been on, like, in your heart or whatever you want to, you know, your desire to, to rope professionally and to compete and do that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, we always wanted to rope. I, I got two older brothers, and they rope better than me growing up, so I always had somebody to look up to, and then it was just like, this is what you want to do but it was fun you know we had fun doing it and then all of a sudden it was kind of like man I could actually do that and uh, not have to work (laughs) you know so seemed like a pretty good option and it has been so far thankfully so when you get to that spot uh, I mean when you say not have to work or get a job it's it's probably the hardest choice <laughs> at lifestyle you could choose because there's no guarantees in it, and there's yeah. all these major expenses and your you know your whole cash flow and livelihood is depending on you winning, and uh, was that something? When did you get the first dose of that or realize hey this is I still want to do it through that point? I uh, I first rodeoed all year long two years ago with Evan Arnold and. As much amateur rodeo as I did up there in the Northwest and stuff, nothing can prepare you for that for all year. And uh, even when you're winning, you can be winning, doing good, and it still feels like you don't have enough money, and it's crazy. Uh, but but doing that with him, and he was a real positive guy. He was a real good guy to be around, I think, my first year. Um, every week it seemed like you win something, and you still think, man, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't win something. But uh, I think... I think that that part has been great for me because it, it lets me rely more on the Lord than than on anything else. And I think that that's why I really want to keep roping because it lets me do that. Uh, a lot of faith in, in what you're doing and just knowing like, hey, I, I don't, there's not a, a clear cut path. It's not, you know, for everyone that has a job, it's like you, you can work through it. You know what your expenses, what your bills are going to be. you got a pretty good idea. Uh, and roping, you know, that, that first year with you and Evan, um, you guys had a really good year. I mean, it was, was it a top 20 finish? No, uh, we ended up 30-something, but uh, we had a lot of chances. I mean, if a couple things just go differently, we could have made it real easy. Uh, we won a lot together, and, yeah, it was it was pretty, pretty amazing first year to, to be able to do that good. Right. Well, that's the other thing is not a lot of winter rodeo and not, not probably, you didn't really get into a lot of the bigger rodeos anyways. And so 
That I mean, it it's tough to to have a good year and not have much warmth from the winter. And you guys, I mean, I remember watching like Spanish and a few of the runs that you made, and there was there were some runs in there that you're like, man, these guys they're they're on a heater, and it was it's cool to kind of see that because that was was that that was your rookie year, right? Or did you? Uh, the year before was my rookie year. I bought my card and and uh, the year I won Pendleton was my rookie year. Cool. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll get to the kind of the penalty win because that's a that's a pretty cool win as well. But uh, at that point throughout the summer, you're like figuring out okay, we're we're winning, we're and it's you kind of get a taste of it, you know, like hey, I I can make the NFR and and make money rodeoing and do what I really want to do. Do you put a goal system in place, or how do you how to how do you try to manage that and and essentially get to where you want to go? You know, I've never really uh, wrote down goals or done anything like that. Uh, I, I mean, I want to make the NFR and do all that. It'd be, it'd be awesome. That's definitely the goal. But I don't really, I don't really do that. Uh, I mean, I've got goals that I want to do. You know, I, but for me, I just want to catch a steer and do my job everywhere I go. And that seems more like to me if I do that, then I'm gonna end up where the Lord wants me rather than doing what I want to do. You know. Right. Uh, see, so yeah, goals. I don't know. Never really been a big deal to me. Um, I could probably do better at that. That's probably what I need to do. Do it a little bit better. Is is set some clear defined goals. But I've I never really have done that. And so it's just more or less. Hey, I, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna work at it as much as possible and just and, and live in the moment. Is that kind of how it feels to you? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that. And I, I, I like that idea of it too because if you think about enjoying it, it's there's so much travel, so many roping, so many ups and downs. If you're just, you know, every time I talk to you, it's like you're just happy to be there. And that, that was one thing I was really like, I'm taking away from it. Like the other day at the, the West Texas Open, you're like, man, I ain't got a lot of money, but I'm here, I'm having a good time, and this is, yeah. you know, I'm doing what I want to do. And, uh, and I think understanding that, like, hey, this is, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, and that's that's good enough. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that if you were focused on how good you were doing, you could miss so much throughout the year what we get to do, the places we get to see. Uh, I think about it, we were watching The Bachelor the other night, actually. I'm kind of a little bit nervous to admit that to people, <laughs> but uh, they're having the these bachelor viewing parties and there's 45 people watching the bachelor together and i told my girlfriend that she said what are they doing i said that's what normal people do that don't spend thousands every week on roping and it's just crazy you know i'm in texas i'm from idaho most people don't ever go to as many states as i've been to and see what i've seen and you could miss a lot of stuff and and look back and realize man that was that was pretty cool but I think it's pretty cool to be able to, to notice how great it is while you're doing it, you know. Right, right. So what do you love the most about rodeo? Well, let's yeah, let's keep it to, to rodeo. What do you love the most about rodeo? That's really hard. I, uh, I like roping. It's just so fun to me. And um, just watching it even, even is fun. Like at the BFI, I probably shouldn't watch, and I should just stick with my run and be – and do that like Billy Jack he talks about doing that a lot but it's just so fun to me to watch it that I can't do that I gotta watch it and 
the rodeo on it is super fun getting to see all the different places and stuff that that I grew up looking at the results and looking at this and on the fast lane we're at Pecos right here we're at Caldwell second steer it's pretty cool to just get to see all those places right the, that is one thing that's so unique is and, and you know the more I rodeo go to them you kind of take it for granted but you get the new setups and the different environments and what it's like I mean from Estes Park to, to Cheyenne and yeah. Pendleton and all these different situations and you know what it takes to, to be competitive at them it's it's fun and as well as I mean there are places like uh, Estes just jumped out of my mind but it's one of the most beautiful rodeos you can go to all yeah. year up in the mountains right there and, and you know you get experience there's people that are paying thousands of dollars to go on vacation where yeah you, you know you're pretty much kind of living a, a vacation that's it's got its ups and downs yeah but, for sure uh, what about the I know you talked about the goal setting uh, that's not something there but uh, the practice what has been some of the bigger things that you've learned from practicing over the last few years that's kind of helped you take your heading to the next next level uh, I've never really had a lot of horses so I've pretty much always had two head horses all my life and I mean I've had a lot of different ones throughout but I've never really had more than two so for me practicing figuring out how to be able to keep my horse working but still get good runs and good practice has been a, a tough deal uh, you know like getting ready for the American semis we know we got to go over there and more than likely we're going to have to be some kind of short four to make it back and so being able to go practice being short four but then have my horse still working good without you know being able to get on a practice horse and us not care about what he's doing and just bring it over the gates and duck and you know so I'm on my good one practicing that and I probably ran eight or ten and and being able to figure out when he feels the right amount of just barely free enough so he's still going to duck a little bit at the rodeo or he's too much just being able to figure that out has changed a lot of stuff for me because uh, I don't feel like I really rope that much better than I do two three years ago it's just figuring out the horsemanship part of it has has changed a lot of stuff right and so how like I love this because that's something I, I work on all the time and I feel like I'm I'm probably the opposite to a fault like I I want more run out of my horses where it almost takes away that that real fast shot and that's something I think you do great is go you go real fast and, and can do it consistently so you know when you say keep that horse moving what has been some things that you know that's helped you is it riding or is there a mindset that you kind of have each run or a feel that you you get out of the horse or what's what is that for you uh, I grew up doing that going fast and and I wish I would have learned the other way first and then figured out how to do that because I need to catch more. But uh, your horse has got to run, but they can't run too much. And figuring out that in between has been tough for me. But you got to ride. I think my horses run anyway. So, like, my horse, they just want to run. So I think if I ride the first jump when I leave the corner, then I really don't have to kick them after that. They're going to run until I throw. And uh, especially my roan horse, he just... I mean, anybody could get on that horse and be fast every time. He's just so easy. Uh, so I, I don't really think that it's me. It's just I'm just so blessed to have that horse. He's just been amazing for me. Right. How long have you had the run? I bought him in 2016. 
So this will be four years. I bought him two weeks before Pendleton. Two weeks before Pendleton. Yeah. Is that the horse you won Pendleton on? Yeah, it is. So two weeks. Then well, I, I won it the year after that. Okay, uh, okay that's right. It was yeah. 17. Okay. Another kid right, rode that horse, though, two weeks after I bought him, and uh, his partner upped the leg to win it on oh, him really? there. He's a, he's a Northwest horse. So. Yeah. Uh, usually them horses at Pendleton too. They've got a, I mean, they got to have a pretty good feel to them. They, they usually got to stay pretty upright, mm -hmm. uh, being on the grass. You don't really want them to drop and lose a shoulder. So, I mean, it's not a real common thing that you see a head horse that can go as fast as he can go, to to be real controlled with his feet. And I think that's, uh, I mean, it just kind of goes to show you that you you got a head horse that's a winner, really. That can yeah. you can put them in different situations, and they then you know they put you in the correct spot to to do to do what you need to do yeah for sure is that the best one you've ever owned oh yeah by far uh i i own another one actually right now that that uh might be a better horse than him but just not for me you know she's a, she's a great horse and i went a lot on her but for some reason that roan is just he's just easy to win on you know he's he's not as good he's a little bit front end he's doesn't hit his butt very good but he scores and he faces and he just runs every time. Uh, you know, he ain't going to win nothing at a, at a futurity at all, but he's just easy. So I think that'd probably be the best horse I'll ever own. Right. So I, I think this is something I, I learned at a, a pretty young age and I was probably really lucky. I, I had a head horse and a heel horse that were both really, they were good. The head horse was probably pretty flashy, but he was a bigger horse, a big sorrel. And he really taught me a lot about mm -hmm. how to rope to a rope in, and he would make make it real easy for all my healers, and he'd run enough and could do things well enough that kind of learned, like, let me learn where to throw and how to set the run up, and kind of taught me how to win, essentially. And I think the heel horse was the same way. She was real free and easy to catch on, didn't have a big stop, but I... I always, I really felt like I always caught the short round steer on her. Like, I had to always finish on this horse. And I think a lot of people get hung up on flash and all these moves and these horses that can mm -hmm. really run and then just drag it and do all these things, but they really take for granted the horses that are easy and and not flashy, but they're like, they do everything, but nothing maybe really, really special or flashy, and they're just easy to win on. And that's what I see on that horses. There'll be times where, and I'll see you go two or three coils and just blast a steer and then go catch another steer that might be the very next day. And and I don't know, what do you think about that on those horses that like flash compared to easy to win on? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I think a head horse has gotta be easy. The, the horses that win everything, horse of the year all the time. Uh, the only one that I think is super flashy is Colton Schmidt's black, like, and he just looks easy too, but he's just black. And he and he's got a great move, but other than that, Chad's horse, Clay Tryon's, Riley's—they're all amazing horses, but they're not flashy. You know, they don't drag a leg. And Chad's does sometimes, but he doesn't make him do it at the rodeos because I think that that takes too long. Uh, they just need to rope and get out in front of the steer and face. And uh, if they're easy, you win way more on them than if they're flashy, especially at the rodeos. At the jackpots, it's a little different deal, but. At the rodeos, it's a huge deal to just have one that's easy to catch on. Right. All right. I totally agree with you. So, what's the best head horse going right now, you think? Oh, man, that's so hard. 
That's so right, hard. If you could pick one head horse to ride, that, you know, <laughs> any one that you could get on, which one would it be? Oh, it would be it would be really hard to pick. I think that Chad's horse is, is uh, looks like he'd just be the easiest one to get on without ever riding him because right. he scores super easy. Uh, Colton Schmidt's horse looks like he scores good too. Yeah. Um, the other horses are, are awesome. Like Riley's horse is, is amazing horse. But he looks a little bit uh, different to score sometimes, and he always scores good for Riley. But I don't know. It seems like he'd be a little bit tough for me to just get on him without ever being on him before. Um, right. Man, everybody's got a good horse though. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> does. <laughs> yeah. I my my personal I, I love Riley's horse. I know he's a little different in the box, but when it really jumped out to me we videoed the Brock Cresta last year and that score yes. was so long and he put it on like he had a I don't know if he what he would have won but he had a chance to win yeah. first or fourth he, with two yeah partners. he would have won it and uh, and I think Jeremy he was running with Jeremy Bueller too and he like slipped a leg or something but mm -hmm. both guys like roped him and lost him or roped legs and that was as close to the BFI setup to to do good at yeah. and then then you go to the BFI a few weeks later or whatever, a month or two later, and he wins horse of the BFI and that he's lights out and then later on that winter he's riding with the Thomas and, Mac. Yep. And I think a horse that can do that is it's amazing some of the head horses out there, but I, I think that what what we're running into with head horses a lot like yours is they have run, but they know how to, to get it out of them or when to use it and when to not and to, to kind of be flat and easy. And I think yeah. that's that's what's getting kind of cool about these horses is they're they're getting freaking oh. Oh, they can do so many things but they're they can read cattle and read the different situations and, and it's making it where it's fast at a lot of places. Yeah, for sure. I think they have to read the cow. That's that's probably the biggest thing for me. That's why I struggle a little bit on my mares because sometimes she'll just overrun the steer just a little bit, uh, but they have to run as hard as they can and and never overrun the steer and it's amazing the horses now i agree yeah well i mean one thing with rodeo too to kind of swap gears on us but there's a lot of ups and downs mm -hmm. what's been the hardest moment in your rope in our rodeo career so far we uh we did real good last summer jason and i through through the fourth through well winter spring summer we did good all the way through the fourth and then right after the fourth we had two terrible weeks we roped bad both of us seemed like if he caught i broke the barrier and if i got out good the steer'd fall down or something stupid like that would happen uh and then seemed like we were just starting to get things turned around we won a little bit at ogden in spanish and things started going good for us and then it seemed like every steer we roped, Jason get flagged out for crossfire. And it wasn't. And it seemed like, man. And that just, that I think that really killed our summer a lot is, uh, it seemed like every time we made a good run, they'd flag him out. And uh, I don't know why that was happening, but I think that was the hardest thing to get through. And then two years in a row, uh, I've been a little bit of a long shot, but at Ellensburg, I had a chance to make the NFR still if I do really good. And the first year, I missed the best steer 
just high loped head up, missed him. At Ellensburg. At Ellensburg, and that was like, okay, I'm not making it anymore. That right. was that was the one that was like, yep, yeah, I'm not gonna make it. And then last year I lost my rope. Same type of steer, just loped off to the right, lost my rope. And we still had a, a little bit of a chance last year, but it was like we need to win 12,000 at Pendleton or we're out. And uh, that's been really hard though, is is figuring out how to stay positive without, without uh, being too optimistic because it's like, I know I'm not gonna make it, but I still gotta be positive. That's the hardest part for me is figuring out how to be uh, upset at yourself without being negative you know without telling yourself you know you're not yep. good enough or whatever it is exactly so the first time you missed that steer at Ellensburg do you have do you remember what you're thinking kind of right like right after that like maybe when you're coiling your rope up or however it is you know right yeah down yeah I remember it <laughs> what, what, what are you thinking at that point I was uh I was more upset at myself just for missing. We went 5-2 on the hardest running steer in the first round. Which is a great, great run. Yeah. we, we. Uh, I was late and somehow caught, and my horse ducked, and Evan healed him unbelievable. Kind of misses wraps a little bit to win, maybe win the round on the, the worst steer in the pin. Right. And then we come back on a good one. Finally excited. We drew a good steer. Knowing, you know, watched him go. Nailed the barrier, hit him in the back of the head. And it's almost like I can't believe that I missed. Like, I cannot believe I just did that. And then I went and sat in my trailer for about 30 minutes. And I'm sitting there just kind of sulking. And then this is what I love about rodeo and more than jackpotting. I'm sitting there sulking. And then I realize, man, if I don't leave right now, I'm not going to make it to Filer. (laughs) So it's like I got to unsaddle my horse and quit pity partying and, and get back on the road and drive so I can win something but uh it was just it just kind of takes the wind out of you you know it's like man I'm out here I spent 70,000 all summer to do this and then I just missed the best steer yeah you, you, a chance you know a chance yep. something that you if basically if you could say that at the beginning of the year is hey I got I got a great opportunity I'm, we're good on our first one if I went out strong, but you could say I got the loper in the second round at Ellensburg to be in the top probably two or three calls. Yep. You'd just probably take that opportunity. I mean, yep. where a lot of people would. I mean, maybe hoping to be a little better situation, but it's dang close, especially for never made, making the finals yep. yet. And uh, All right, so the next year, do you, same scenario, it's you know, close enough and kind of have something go wrong there do you try to like I, I do this and I, I try to work on my mindset after good and bad rodeos and I, I can use it as a reference point this last year like hey you know this was kind of we we're kind of down at this point and this is how I acted this is my reactions to it do you look at it that same way or how, how do you kind of go about it the second time uh, yeah I, I do look at it similar to that um, I finally figured out that uh, you know, roping and that is is all amazing, but it ain't what life's about. And so I, it's a lot easier for me now to not get upset about it. But like last year, I missed, and uh, I was I was actually in the exact same situation at Walla Walla right before that. We win the first round, draw a loper on the second one. I threw it over his head, and 
it's easier for me because I've I've kind of figured out that you know there's a hundred people that rope good, and there's only thirty something that have a chance to make the finals at at Walla Walla and Ellensburg. Um, so for me, you go all year long to have a chance to make it, and and uh, I'm I mean I'm still get upset at myself for messing up, but at the end of the year if I have a chance to make it, that's what I'm you know that's what the year's about is giving yourself a chance a chance to do it so I messed up one steer and I could sit here and think all the time about man if I'd have just caught that one that would have changed it but or I could have you know not broke the barrier at Sheridan a month before that and won the same amount of money that I did on that one that I'm thinking about you know so there's a lot of the year that plays into getting to that part that uh so it's easier for me to not get upset about one steer anymore uh, even though it seems like, you know, I was telling Jason this just the other day, he rubs a leg to make it back to the American. I'm like, we've caught eight to get to this point. You happen to miss one. Like, you know, if that was at Cooley City, it could have happened just as easy. It just it happened to be this one. Like, you can't get upset about messing up one steer, you know. Well, and I think, too, what rodeo is becoming a lot of people... Uh, may not understand this, or I, I don't know if this is the correct way to look at it, but these rodeos, it's like the run is, you've got to be so aggressive and so fast that like when you go back to those crossfires, you know, each of one of those crossfires are probably for two to $5,000, maybe some of them for six or seven or 8,000. Yep. And, and when you add one or two of those back in, it's, I mean, you might go to 10 rodeos and connect on three or four if you're doing really good or, you mm -hmm. know if they're one headers and and if i mean that's the whole team maxing one out and yep. then drawing a good enough steer to win something on and that's a that's a hell of a week you know you win ten ten thousand or more yeah and you're like man we are murdering them but when you take one or two of those little things away like a steer falling down flagged out for crossfire it's like all of a sudden we just got our fees back and that's where yep. like you, know, you talk about being able to a understand like the situation like, hey this is we got to eliminate these mistakes but really it's it's not our fault we just kind of got to keep playing to our our run and you know you got to have them happen in the, the right places and that's where you get those those big breaks and kind of be ready to win and uh so let's let's talk about it because you know it's <laughs> it blew up on social media pretty good and i was like man when I seen it the next day, I was like, I can't believe how hard everyone is being on this this flagger from San Antonio. And I when I seen you guys at uh, uh, what was it? Is it Lawton? Was that the one? Or I always say Lawton. Uh, Phillipsburg. Phillipsburg, yeah. Yeah, you got flagged out last year at Phillipsburg, and I was in that slack, and it was eighty or ninety team rodeo. We're the first ten teams to go. I make a run, and I'm four eight. I'm like fourth or fifth out. When I make the run, I'm like, I'm not gonna win anything in a ten money rodeo with four eight. Mm -hmm. You guys go. 4-3, I think. Yeah, 4-3 and a handful of teams later. And it's a great run. And get flagged out for Crossfire. And it's one of those where you usually know if it's in a correct call if all the other Cowboys are like, no way. And yeah. that's one of those that it was. Everyone, I mean, even me there, who I knew like I was going to be kind of close to winning the check, I was like, man, I, I don't. If I win something that they don't, I'm going to feel bad. And, and I think that most teams would agree that it was, it was a very poor call. It does happen, um, but you guys had a few of them. So to kind of fast forward it back to San Antonio, 
Uh, you've made it through the first few sets. Uh, let's explain how Sanitone works, I guess, right? Uh, it's uh, everyone runs three steers, yep. and then they bring back the top four people out of that set. Mm -hmm. So you go against eight teams, three nights, right? Or is it ten teams? Ten. Ten, ten teams ten. for three nights, and the top four money-winning teams advance on to the semifinals, mm -hmm. correct? And that's where you guys are at, semifinals. Yep. And uh, so you're going against ten teams again, and the top, is it top four? Top five. Top five advance. Yep. And now the money doubles, so it's paying 5000 to win each of these rounds. And uh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we, we ran the first one and didn't do any good. So it it come back second one. We were uh, we were third out the first night, so we're the third to last team to go. And uh, we knew when we had to get, when we knew when we went, we had to win first. Dustin Egeskiza went four flat and Somebody else, Charlie and or Luke and Patrick went four flat too, so we knew when we went we had to win first to make it back to the to the finals, and uh, we had to beat four flat. So, you know, we had the best steer. He just high loped off to the right, perfect pattern, made a great run. Everything felt good. Uh, healed him, faced. Usually, you know, when when you make a run, you can kind of feel like, man, I need to look at the flagger here we might get flagged out and he pulls back get get the flag and i'm turning off i'm about to start waving my hat because i've been i've been three one time before that jason had never been three before right and and, how and then was it? It was three, we were three five three five yeah and then uh for some reason i'm just about to turn off and i'm like he just flagged us out i couldn't believe it it was like one of them that like I don't really he did uh, and man I turned my horse and wanted to ride over there and then I'm like no I better not do that I'll just get fine lose more money so I start to ride out and I'm like no I gotta go talk to him I'm like no I turned back and forth three times and then I finally just rode out and uh, there's well Jeff and Worley wouldn't have made it back and if we would have got the flag and Worley's more upset about the call than we were. You know, there's 10 teams or nine teams that watched that, and they all knew that it was the wrong call. Uh, right now, though, that's just the way it goes. The flagger is the only one that gets a decision, and his decision's final. So, you know, uh, I wasn't really upset at him. Um, after after a little while, I did get that way because he – he admitted that he made the wrong call and he was in the wrong spot and couldn't see the steer. Um, so if you can't see the steer, we should always get the flag. But uh, it's just the rule is too confusing. We got to figure out a way to, to either make the rule better or make it easier on the judge right now. Well, and I think, um, I don't know if anyone follows the group heel shots, but there's a lot of like, guys that are getting flagged out for crossfire that are posting their runs and they ask about it and there's some that are just blatant crossfires and you're like dude this isn't even close why are we why do you even ask this question yep. and I think where it gets really tough and man I, I feel for the flaggers and um, you wish there was a little better way to improve the call because the steers they keep running so you've had a good steer knew him but he kind of checked off just a little bit mm -hmm. when you had it and he's stepping off to the right, so the healer's kind of pushing on him. And he hits, kind of 
gets a little bit slow in the headrail pits and then he turns, heals it. Yep. I've seen it get flagged out for crossfire one other time and I thought it was a terrible, terrible call. And yours I didn't think was close, but what kills me about it is there's a another judge at the bottom of the arena. Then that that can flag people out for or tell them in no time if they have a bad head catch. Mm -hmm. And then there's a barrier judge right there who can make calls. And the fact that the three guys can't get together and make the the right call after after they had admitted that, I mean, because that's what they said was yep. it was not the correct call, and and that's where it gets rough uh, for me. And I, and I and I don't blame the judges, but you just wish like, hey, you know what? We, at the end of the day, just make it right. Exactly. And uh, and that's that's one thing about the the whole rodeo situation that's that's tough is you see a lot of rust up guys that get re rides and and different options and timed event guys. They've always like, well, we don't get one when. Uh, steer doesn't perform and they're like well the judges are going to have to draw a line at that point yeah and, and like well does this steer qualify or this calf or and so it, it's tough and i get it you got to be able to draw a line but when it's um when it's a situation like that that is the top three biggest rodeos of the year top four now with i don't know mm -hmm. all the stuff that's counting but um it it gives you guys this amazing situation to come back into the finals to win San Antonio with an extra 5000 which might be the difference. I mean, I don't know what it pays to win Ellensburg, but I imagine it's pretty close to that. Yep. And so it's like you just kind of took that away from you guys. And, uh, and man, I'm, we're not really here to, to complain about the situation, but you know what I thought was the coolest thing is you'd run your first one at Tucson, drove, whatever, 12, 14 hours to San Antonio, rode those steers, and flew back to Tucson. Yep. Uh, fly back to Tucson to run your second one. You guys are no good on your first one. Have, I mean, I would say as hard of a gut kick as a guy <laughs> could receive as that one is right there. You know, not only do you have to be faster than four, never have done it, at the, one of the bigger rodeos, do it, and then taken away by a bad call. You have every right to be upset and, mm -hmm. and to kind of get into a, a slump or whatever you want to call it. Yep. And you guys come back and... Just talk about your mindset of Tucson on that second one. Yeah, you know, for me, I mean, it sucked, but uh, the money would have been nice. But it's pretty easy to just, well, it sucks, but, you know, I'll be taken care of. The Lord will take care of me. So I never really even thought anything different of it. Uh, and my partner didn't either. If you see the video at Tucson, I think he throws faster there than he did at San Antonio. Uh, we had just an average steer and... He ended up being being better than what we thought he was going to be. And we made a really good run. Steer was good. Jason healed him super fast. My horse almost fell down, stepped on her left front, and got a, a real bad finish. But uh, we ended up winning the second round over there. We split it. And it was it felt really nice, though, to come back first ready to run after that and win something. felt really good. Well, and I think... The reason I, I like to talk about it is, you know, we talk about building on our roping. So you know I can have worst case scenario happen to me. And I can come back and still compete the next day. Yeah. And, uh, and, and to be ha that tough mentally is something that you're always going to have that. And I think that makes it to, in my opinion, I don't, I don't know, but it's like, man, you can go miss a few steers or whatever can happen and you know, like, hey, we're... We can get through it. Is that is that how it feels to you? Yeah, I think so. Uh, 
You know, you look at Clay trying. I guarantee you, if we went over there to his house and tied his rope in a knot where he couldn't catch a steer and then told him I'm going to beat you, he's going to find a way to win, you know. So I think I think that guy's got it right. It don't matter. He maybe hasn't caught for 10 years, and he'll still tell you right to his right to your face, I'm going to beat you today. And and then he'll do it. And I think you guys got to be like that. It don't matter what happened yesterday, whether you won first or not. You you just got to act like you won first every time, you know. Just that's how that's when you back in the box, that's how you have to feel is you know, every time that I rope, I went first. So, why not do it again right here, you know? Right. Well, and yeah, just believe it in yourself at that level and and how to do it and and sometimes we got to be able to do it when it's not there. Like, hey, I mean, it's not like you're Clay China and have 20 world titles <laughs> and all this. And so you've got to you've got to develop it within yourself. And uh, has that kind of come through faith and understanding, or where do you think that's kind of come from? I think I think the faith has really made that easier for me. Um, the harder part than even finding the the confidence for me is being a good person but still having the confidence because it's easy to you know be arrogant or whatever they say it would be really easy to do that when you're winning uh but i think a guy just wants to be a good person all the time whether you're winning or you're losing um so i think i think the faith has really made it easy for me because uh you know i can trust in him when i when he wants me to win i'm gonna win and uh, I'm going to get to where he wants me to be, whether that's a world title or whether that's changing people's lives just by roping or whatever he wants. But So it's just a lot easier for me to just trust, you know, where he's putting me. And and then that gives me confidence because, you know, I know I'm right where I'm at. Brad, so, I mean, how old are you? I am uh, 22. 22. I would say that this is very uncommon to see someone that is really, really strong spiritually like you are. Because uh, it seems like the younger kids, they get to a, a pretty advanced level of roping and they get kind of arrogant or really like believe in themselves. But very rarely do you hear someone like say, hey, I just, I just want to be a good person and, and, and do right each day. When did, when did you start to develop that, that aspect or faith or, I mean, uh, I don't know if that's the way you've always kind of been or you know I grew up like that uh, but I never really believed it growing up I knew you know I knew there was a God and all that but I never really really lived for him um, and I went through that I went through where I thought I was super super good in high school and I never got any better from the time I was 13 until I was 18 I wrote the same because I thought I was good and then, and I was, at that point, I roped better than, there's me and Jeff Flinnegan in Idaho that roped good. And then all of a sudden, it's like, man, Jeff ropes way better than me. And uh, I, I've gotten a lot, a lot stronger the last couple of years. I've been blessed with some really good friends that that really believe and they can help me do that. And I think rodeo, though, has has made it so much easier for me because of how hard it is and I don't have any money like I never grew up with a lot of money we were always taken care of but I never had the money to just go buy a new horse or whatever and 
And I think that that has helped me more than anything is. The only reason I'm making it out here is because the Lord helps me, you know. He wants me to be doing this, obviously, or there'd be no way I could afford to be doing it. Uh, and it, and it's not even me winning all the time, but sometimes, you know, my grandparents, they'll be doing good and they'll send me some money or something like that. And and uh, just, just figuring out and learning that no matter what I'm going to be taken care of has helped me to grow so much spiritually and uh man i'm just so thankful so having I, and i think that's that's really important to understand and and kind of cool to see and, and i feel like this happens to me I, but it, there's time you're like man it's it's rough and you know you might be struggling or whatever but if you continue to do the right things uh, an opportunity presents itself and it's just like or a win might present itself but if you just continue to do the same thing every day and just be consistent and just stay with what you know what you love to do uh, opportunities just continue to happen like mm -hmm. whether it's a horse all of a sudden gets really good or comes comes into your your life or wh whatever it may be but I, I think that's where it gets really fun You're like man and that's it, it almost helps build the faith on on top of that You're like I just continue to do it. I know that the right things will continue to happen and and yeah. um, can kind of go down this journey. So what about these big moments? Was Pendleton the, was that the first <laughs> really, really big steer that you ran or was that the biggest one you'd run at that point in your life? Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. I don't think I've ever really been in another situation like that even since. I've ran some big steers, but not not like that one. And before that, I mean, I've only ever won two saddles, you know, I never won nothing, and uh, I roped at the BFI a few years, and um, I was clean on four one time, and the fifth one was pretty nerve-wracking, but uh, even at Pendleton, it wasn't that bad, because I was 11th call, you know, it wasn't like I was high callback and just shaking it. I was 11th and had a slow steer and really thought that I didn't have a chance to win anything, because everybody was good that year. The the top six were like all rodeo guys, right. all all NFR teams, you know. Uh, so it was like, you know, it, it was pretty amazing to win it. That's the biggest thing I've ever won for sure, but it wasn't like I was in a, a pressure situation or anything, you know. And uh, you're saying, so that, I mean, that's kind of cool because I, I mean, usually I, I've came back to a few of the bigger short rounds like Ellens, Ellensburg and Cheyenne and stuff like that, and I've I've been like one of those lower calls. And when you come back to them, they, I mean, it's that's the truth. You really don't feel like you can win the rodeo. You're like mm -hmm. you're in a situation where you just got to be smart. You're like, okay, I got this steer. If he's strong, you try to maybe make a good run. If he's real good, you just kind of use your steer, and you can usually win money. You know, but you're like at that point, you're just trying to get get some money out of the rodeo. But when then when you get in those top few calls, now winning the rodeo is in play, and I think that's where you can kind of yeah. you can have these expectations or really think about it. But coming from eleventh callback, you're just like I, I got this good steer, just go use them. I mean, Pendleton's so different too, where you're running down the hill and like gauging them out mm -hmm. there, and if you get a good start, it's like on a good steer, it's it, it makes for a, a good situation, you know. Yeah, and so. That is that kind of how it, it just went. You just hit the yeah. barrier and and just made the run, and then like oh man, when you ride out of the arena, you're like, 
oh man, we just made a good run. That's you know, that's probably gonna win third or fourth. Or what are you thinking when you, you know? Yeah, you, you know, uh, I think I maybe ran the three worst steers there that year. My first one flew and we were nine. The second one went to the right. It's just so scary over there. And then the third one, uh, Jason Stewart stopped me before I got over there. He's like, hey, catch. Just catch. You're 11th. You're going to win something if you catch. And he was a terrible steer, but he was the best one I could have drawn because he came left. Like, I mean, left to the everybody standing there. Right. So I couldn't have I couldn't have thrown at him. I think if he would have went straight, I probably would have reached and missed or something. But he was slow and came left, so I had to swing over him to get my horse moved over. And we come, we finished on the track, and we went five seven. We didn't even, you know, we didn't go four. We didn't do anything crazy. And uh, the first team broke the barrier, and the next team missed. And so then I'm thinking like. And that's cool. I need to win something to make the circuit finals. You know, cool. We're going to win a couple thousand, maybe win the short round, hopefully. And, right. and you know, do good. And then about seventh call, I'm like, man, nobody's caught yet. Then sixth misses. Fifth, I think the horse jumped the barrier and he broke it or something. And then, and then I'm like, okay, fourth call. Now, I think it was, I think it was Pookie Gurren. I'm like, okay, Pook bought his car just for Pendleton. Like, he's going to win something. Right. And he did great, and Chase Hampton's horse slipped when he healed him, and he lost his rope. It's like, man, I'm winning fourth now. I'm going to win fourth at Pendleton. That's freaking cool. I'm going to win three or 4,000 now. And then uh, Chad's steer, Chad had my second one, and he ran straight to the letter buck room, straight right. And he went nine clean, and he's winning second. Right. I'm like, holy crap, we're going to win third now. Then it was the minors, and Brady rubbed the leg. I think his horse kind of slipped or something, too, and it's like, no way. Got a chance. No way. We're 11th. And Jason Stewart's just holding me. He's just so pumped. And then uh, Jake Stanley was high call three years in a row, and his partner's horse shorted him right as he went to throw, but they had to be eight. He kicks up, goes to heal him again. They're still going to beat me, and he does it again and kicks up, heals him, we win. It was just unbelievable. Like, uh, it, I mean, it's crazy. That The only thing there, that was the Lord for sure because there's no way all those guys mess up any other reason. But it's uh, it was amazing. Right. That's pretty cool, man. I, I didn't realize you guys come from so far back to win that yeah. rodeo. Yeah, we shouldn't have even made the short round, really. I was uh, – I was – Almost 17 seconds on the first two. 16-8, I think. Right. And usually, like, Cheyenne, Pendleton, there's just steers that you just don't make it back. You just yep. you don't have a chance. Like, something has got to happen in the run that you've got to blast them or just whatever. You've got mm -hmm. to do your job perfectly to even have a chance. And really, most of the time, you don't even get a chance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, well... I mean, you've obviously backed in, in the box for a lot of money, and a lot of these rodeos are, I mean, like San Antonio the other day, where you come back at the semis and you know you got to make something happen, and it's a big moment. Do you find yourself getting nervous, or how do you handle that aspect of it? Um, you know, nerves are, are definitely, everybody gets them. I mean, uh, for me... I like now I've kind of figured out that the the nervousness and stuff is just is just a lack a little bit of a lack of faith in in thinking that if I mess up 
that's a bad thing, which it is, you know, it ain't doing good, but, but if I mess up, it's going to work out in the end and, and doing that, realizing that has helped me out a lot. But, uh, I think getting nervous is just, it's almost a good thing. Like at least you're, you know, you're feeling something. Yeah. It's kind of exhilarating. I don't, I don't mind it at all. So uh, you, you kind of embrace it. Like, yeah. You, you, it's a good way to look at it. Like, um, just knowing that, hey, there's very few things that get me this riled up or I'm going to get this excited about or yeah. a moment like this. So you just, do you just like take it in and just kind of enjoy that, that yeah. moment? Yeah. I mean, how great is it that we're, this is our job, you know, our job makes us this excited. That's awesome. We could be in a little cubicle. Right. <laughs> yeah, and not get that ever. Yeah. I mean, really. Like, go your whole life without getting that. And here it is. I mean... Every day. Yeah. I mean, you're going to Houston a couple of days. Yep. Uh, just just was at the American. It was three over there at the American, by the way. That was, that was pretty, oh, pretty awesome. Thank you. Man, I, I, I love that. Is that. And is that something that you've studied or, like, the mental side of things? Um, or is that just... Did that just kind of naturally come to you that way um i've studied quite a bit of it um like there's a a really good book the inner game of golf and and he talks a lot about uh your subconsciousness playing a big role in it and then the mind gym i don't know if you've ever listened to the mind gym book but uh i've listened to a lot of that stuff i mean we have lots of time to listen to stuff when we're driving you know so i listen to a lot of stuff like that but I don't know. I I've never really uh, I've never really done good in short rounds, jackpots, and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I could have a lot of reasons to to have a lot of doubt and and get nervous and get scared and stuff. But I don't know. It's just it's just something that has come come to me lately that that has really worked out to help me like that. And so you just kind of is that something that you've got from studying this is. Um, it, you know, not having success, but still knowing, like, this is my job today. This is what I'm yep. supposed to do, and you just stay focused on that. You don't really worry about how you've done in the past or what thing, you know, yep. what things could go wrong. You just kind of focus on how to do your job, or is that is that kind yeah, of a big thing? for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I haven't won much jackpotting and nothing like that, but it don't really matter. You know, uh, the money's great, but it's fine. So. Right. Uh, I think understanding that how to how to compete and how to know yourself is probably the most important thing to to creating mental consistency and 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 I think there's a lot to be learned from books and stuff like that, but it's also understanding hey I'm wired probably different than everyone else and there's gonna be certain ways that it helps me yeah. and certain ways that it, it doesn't. And so just knowing like hey how to how to get yourself to that that spot where you I think staying in the moment is pretty it's pretty good to I mean it sums it up pretty quickly as far as like yeah. how to how to mentally be be ready if you're in the moment and you're focused on what you need to do really that's that's your mental consistency I would say yeah I really like that I I talk about that a lot to myself is just live in the moment right this one right here not what happened not what could happen in the future but just enjoy what's happening right now. Right. Is that something you do in the practice pin too? Like you really focus on the that you know your mental mm-hmm. 
side of things? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't get to rope that much. I only have two my two good horses, so I don't get to practice that often. Uh, so it's it's pretty easy in the practice pen for me. I like to have fun and I like to enjoy it, but I like to just be focused on what I want to get accomplished while having fun. And, and so it's easy to just focus on just doing this, just rope, you know. Right. So is that something, uh, you know, with just the two head horses and limited practice, is, is what's your mindset of like, hey, I, I can be good enough or I am prepared or I can improve on what I need to with uh, limited practice. Do you have any ways of like, getting the most out of your practice with that? Yeah, I've been working lately on uh, catch the like placing the first round. Okay, this is the second steer. We have to be 6'8 to be winning something. And that's what I've been working on lately because I, I've been, always done good at, at being aggressive. Um, but you know, I've come to come to realize that the jackpotting thing—I'm—I haven't done very good jackpotting because I don't have a horse that I can go practice that on, and not only just loops because I've had lots of horses that I can get lots of loops on every day, but not one that runs, that's actually realistic jackpot practice, you know. So I think that that's why uh, a lot of people do better than me at the jackpots because they have those horses they can practice that on, but. For the rodeo type deal, you know, I've got two good horses that I can practice doing that on all the time and uh, make 10, 15, 20 runs a week on them doing that. And so it it kind of helps me, I think, at the rodeos because that's the only run I make. You know, I don't, I don't make that long seven nice jackpot run. Uh, I just make nice aggressive runs all the time. Right. But, you know, it does hurt me jackpotting for sure. But uh, taking to the rodeos, it's like you have a really clear picture in your mind of what you're capable of. And mm -hmm. you've been working on it and you have this feel because it's, like you said, you can get on a horse that might not have that same feel. And really, what what is that getting out of your practice? You know, what are you getting out of, like, for example, if you get on a colt that's just kind of loping through there and you can kind of go turn a steer. But that really doesn't give you the feel of making a rodeo run or even a yeah. jackpot run. And so making those rodeo runs and having a real clear picture of how to, how to make that, that's, I think that's pretty, I think that's a solid way. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I think if a guy is having a little bit of trouble with his swing or uh, splitting the horns or, or popping it off or something like that, I think it's a good thing to get loops in on a lot of them. But like for me i've kind of found the swing that i like and and i can do that consistently so getting the loops in all the time uh i can do that on the dummy you know right just understanding your resources what's available and making the most out of it that pertains to competition uh, i think that's a that's a big deal now uh what about roping with your brother? I mean, you, you got, like I said, you got you got two other brothers that really rope well, and uh, you've roped with your brother for the last two years. Yeah, this is the second year now. Second year, has that been pretty fun roping with your brother? It's been really fun. Uh, I grew up roping with my other brother Taylor, and we rodeoed for a long time together. And then uh, he just didn't want to do it as much as me, so he's stays home and ropes more at home and jackpots and stuff. And then 
then I roped with Evan for a year, and then Jason and I started roping, and that's been it's been super fun. Uh, the highs are a little bit higher when you win with family, you right. know. Uh, I can see that being real fun, especially for him. He's kind of getting his his family started, and he's yep. he's got a lot a lot going on, and uh, so to kind of do that and be successful with him has got to be really fun. But uh, what about the communication stuff? <laughs> do you guys ever get into it, or how do you? I mean, because it's different when you're you're really comfortable with someone, you can yeah. almost cross a line without realizing it. Yeah, uh, is that something you got to be aware of? I think it is. Uh, we haven't. We haven't had those problems that much, uh, but I agree with you. You can you can get pretty comfortable and be talking about something and not realize how much you've offended them. And then when it's blood, man, fights get bad sometimes. But him and I, we, we don't really fight that much. We get along pretty good. Uh, and, you know, we have different ideas about some stuff, but I just hold my tongue and let him think what he likes and... Uh, he ropes good so you know sometimes you got to treat it like a partnership and not just family because family gets tough sometimes well and I think that's that's a big thing is uh, we all see things differently we can see a run and get something out of it and it's going to feel different to everyone so to be able to communicate to each other like hey and and to build the team like is that has that been something? That, I mean, Evan, I know him pretty well, and I would say that guy, he's very positive, like you said earlier. But I think he probably was a good one to to really rodeo with because he seems like you could probably talk through yeah. what's going on and, and get better. Is that is that something you learned from him, or when did you kind of start developing that? Uh, yeah, I think him and I did that a lot. I've always, always, always got videos and watched them, broke them down with stuff but uh I think I think him and I kind of started doing that for me because I'd never really rodeoed to make a living so I I just roped with who I roped with and and uh we didn't practice that much we didn't talk that much about it and then you know you're out here losing money all the time if you're not getting better it it makes you start building a run pretty fast uh which him and I we didn't really practice that much together either but at least driving all the time together and stuff, you know, you have a lot of time to talk about it and think about what they want different or what you could do better or what what you think he could do better to help you. Uh, you know, you want to steer straight or right or left or stuff like that, little things. Uh, Jason and I, we don't really talk that much about it. Uh, he kind of, he likes to ride high, so the steer's, stay always in the left lead and that's just how he likes it which is fine with me most of the time some very few places i'll tell him hey don't do not bring them left make sure they stay straight or right but uh i grew up roping with him though so you know i know what how he's gonna rope i got to watch him for years rodeoing and stuff at home before i started doing it so i kind of know what he's gonna do all the time right right I think that's a it's a big thing is having that good chemistry with a, a partnership and that you know when it's blood like that being able to separate the roping away from the family it's yeah it adds a whole different uh, degree to to the rodeo deal so that's kind of it's cool to see especially you know you like you know, watch the miners man they've they rode for a long time it's yeah. really I've never I've never heard of anything like that like where those guys mm-hmm. can stay together and 
they match their horses up really well and it just seems like I'm sure they they get into it but really they've they've done a great job and, and then to kind of see you guys over the last couple of years and and be successful you know to win together that's that's really fun to to like you said it's probably it's even better when it's family so yeah yeah I think anybody you rope with if you spend too much time with them it's hard anybody you spend too much time with anybody it gets you always get to fighting but more the minors is even more impressive to me that they're family but there's no other rodeo team that's roped that long together yeah it's it's like longest by far i don't know yeah. how many nfr qualifications now but it's i don't i think maybe my riley's got 11 and they've all been with brady yep. i think brady made it one more time than riley and did they miss the finals a couple of times? Yeah, and I think they missed it maybe once or twice, but but that's not much. That's the thing is to go from a bad year, and then to continue to move forward as a team is yeah is good. I mean that's that's impressive that they've been able to do that. Yeah, you watch guys that make the finals every year together and finish top ten, and it's not good enough. They want to do something different. It's yeah, you'll see some teams that like they couldn't lose for two or three years. Then they might have a top five, top ten finish, and they're done. Yeah. You're like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty quick to pull the plug, and and that's. I mean, I, I mean, it's different for everybody. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've learned a lot in the last three or four years, Rodeo. I mean, there's been a, a ton of experiences for someone that's younger that's wanting to. If you could give them one piece of advice. Uh, something that you've really learned and that they should really consider if they're going to start rodeo and what would that be? I think if you want to rodeo, I think the biggest thing you can do is you got to be honest with where you're at. You know, you got to be able to sit down and say, okay, I am actually good enough. I mean, you have to be positive, but you have to realize if you're not good enough, but if you're going to do it, you need to do it. You need to go all in. You can't work on the side. You can't do that. I mean, you can train some horses, stuff like that. But when when it's rodeo time, you need to have three, two, three head horses and, and be ready to rodeo. And then I think the biggest mistake that people make, which me saying this, you know, I haven't ever made the finals or nothing, but I think the biggest mistake is saying, well, let's rodeo to Cheyenne and see what happens. And I think if you want to, I think if you want to make it, you need to rodeo from Odessa until the last weekend go to Stephenville, go to, you know, whatever your last weekend looks like. But I think you need to do it clear till the end because if you just say, well, let's just let's just go to Cheyenne and see if we're winning, well, you're just setting yourself up for failure. You know, you're giving yourself that option for an out if you, uh, you know, Jake Stanley told me one time, and I don't recommend this, but he said, get a credit card. And just run it up as high as you can, and then you realize, man, I gotta start winning. <laughs> but uh, you know, kind of that mentality of, of uh, there's no other option for me. I'm doing this, so it's either figure it out or, or do something different because I gotta get better at this. But it ain't. I'm not quitting. So if I'm not good enough, it's either me or my horses. So either I'm gonna get better, or I'm gonna get better horses. But this is what I'm doing. You know, I think. I think going all in on it is the best way, and then three or four years in, if it's not working out, then you can reevaluate. But uh, going halfway on anything doesn't work. Right. What do you think about accountability and how you look at your job? 
do you do you feel that you're you really try to be accountable or is that something that you've you focused on or do you see a lot of I guess what I'm or the the root of this question is there's a lot of excuses that ropers make. There's a lot. How do you feel about that? I think uh, I think a guy's got to realize how how to say the truth without being negative about it because. Uh, you know, like at San Antonio, our first steer in the semis, I was upset about because uh, eight of the steers were NFR steers from last year, and then two were had three numbers and hadn't been nowhere. And I had one of them, and the first two I was third out. The first two split the gates and ran, and the start was go right behind them. And then the third one dropped his head like he was gonna go, and then he high loped, and I broke the barrier by 17 feet or something, and. Uh, you know, I was upset about that, and, and what I was upset about was the fact that they just added the steers on and, and they hadn't been anywhere. Uh, I should have done a better job, for sure, and that's the place where you got to know. I could have done a lot better, but this is not this is not how it should be. This is not right, and being able to, to be honest without, without saying, man... I just felt like we didn't have a chance because that steer just sucked. Well, he wasn't a bad steer by any means. It just, you know, how do you how do you know what he's going to do when the barrier is that short? Uh, I could have seen more. I could have done a way better job, and then you know that would have put us in a better spot to if we even if we did get flagged out on the second one, it didn't matter. But. Uh, or you know the steer drags or stuff like that. I mean. You go work the strip and shoot at a roping like a number 10 roping. That's the funnest thing because you get to listen to all those guys and guys telling their partner, man, my, somebody called me right as I went to th throw my loop or, you know, something like that. But you got to be honest because, like I said, you got to be honest enough to tell yourself, man, I'm, I'm actually not good enough because I could sit here all day and say, man, if I just had Chad's horses, I just don't have any money. If I had, If I had more money, I could... I could buy better horses and then I'd make it. I rope as good as everybody else. Well, you know, like I'll tell you right now, I don't jackpot as good as everybody else. And that's not, not me being negative. That's just me being honest with, with where I'm at. Uh, the accountability is, is huge. You have to be able to, to say, man, I'm sorry I messed up. You know, not, if you wouldn't have shoved steer left, I would have, or, you know, you know exactly what I'm saying, but you got to be you got to be able to be accountable and say when you messed up, but you have to be honest with yourself too because there is times when you you know, like at San Antonio, I could have done a lot better, but how do you know that? Uh so right. Yeah. I I think complete ownership of what you do is so important because then at the end of the day, at the end of the year, you can look back and be like, "Okay, I was good this year and I made a few mistakes and if I could do a little bit better, I'll get where I need to go. Yep. But it means it's all on you. And then that way when you get where you want to go, it's all on you. But it's not because, oh, I got lucky here. Yeah. But this happened. It's like I, I was prepared, I was ready, I made the correct decisions, I made the adjustments I needed to make. And uh and I think that's man, I I struggle with it, but I, I feel like I do a pretty good job. I, I almost, I, I probably go to a fault, like, 
if I don't, if I we're not winning or not doing good, it's because I didn't rope good enough. Period. Yeah. And that's how I will say it. There are times where I'm like, I'll be, I'll, I'll miss one. I'll be right on the ring. I'll be like, man, I'm hard on myself. Like I'll, I'll be like, I suck. <laughs> and, and, you know, you gotta be able to eliminate those thoughts and realistically look at the situation. Like, Hey, uh, I missed a steer or made, I broke this barrier, but he kind of hesitated or I didn't yep. know him and just like, okay, my game plan going in was sound. I just didn't do my job. Exactly. How I to. And, uh, and to understand that, I think it gets you so much further. So, so much faster because when you go practice, you're like, Hey, this, I tried this shot. It's not working. I need to be able to add this to my, my rodeo mm-hmm. game. I need, you know, I need to be able to catch that second steer. Or I need to be able to go two coils and go real fast when, when I need to. Or whatever it may be. But you get that, that ownership in what you're doing. And man, that's... When you can develop that, I think it's fun. Because the guys that I look up to is, you know, like Clay Tryon. I think that guy, he's... Man, he, he's going to talk some crap. And he's going to let you know. But... When you ask him if he did good or bad, he owns up to it completely yep. 100%. And in my opinion, he's probably one of the greatest headers of all time. Probably top two, yep. Jake Barnes being number one. And Jake is the same way. It's complete ownership. Those guys, when they don't do good, they tell you, I did not do my job. Period. Yep. And uh, and I look back, uh, I, I mean, I probably wasn't as big of a fan of him as I should have, and I am now, um, and had been the last few years, but uh, it's Kobe, Bryant. And I, you know, I read mm-hmm. a few books about that guy, and, and you look at these great athletes, and they're like, you know, that competitiveness that they had, and, and that ownership, that was one of the biggest things that they had, is they, they wanted control over the whole thing, and uh, maybe sometimes to a fault when they would control it, but... They, you know, they wanted it to be all on that. And I think that, at the end of the day, is, is huge. Yeah, I would agree with you. Let's talk scenarios, because I think this is one thing as a rodeo header that you have to understand. And, and there's, especially all these rodeos now are tournament style, you know, where you're advancing mm-hmm. and you're going against eight guys or ten guys. And there's all these situations where you might have to just catch or you might have to continue to make a run. And um, and I, everyone's mindset is a little bit different, so I kind of want to get yours on this. Uh, let's talk San Antonio first. You know, you go, you're going against ten guys essentially each night, and so if you're one of the last teams out, um, you're trying to put money together in those first few rounds. So you kind of, do you have like I, I feel like for me as a header, I have a couple different rounds. I kind of got a catch run that's pretty safe. Then you have your normal run that you're like you're trying to make all year long and that's it's as fast as you can go but when you throw or when I throw it feels like a catch like I usually I feel like I can catch mm-hmm. and then I have one more where I press as hard as I can at the barrier or I try to get a swing off pretty fast and and it's they're usually out there mm-hmm. always and it's it's a little lower percentage is, is that kind of is do you have that type of runs or what, what do you look how do you look at your runs? yeah yeah I agree uh, I, I don't really look at them in that way but it is it is the same way like I make the same run everywhere just get a nice start try not to try not to be late but don't just break the barrier like be just close enough to be within range and uh, and go to the steer two coils coil away be aggressive but I'm not gonna miss 
every time, first round, you know, first steer. I think I think you want to win something on the first steer every time if you can. Uh, and then, yeah, and then there's the other run that's like 50-50. I'm going to get a swing off in the box, and I'm either going to catch and win first or probably not catch. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, everybody should be able to, to pull their rope down, go to the steer, take a swing over their back and be seven if you have to. Um, I think, I think the best headers, the top five headers have that run that's like, I'm not missing for sure. Their catch run is five, eight. I think that's what they do a little better than me right now. But I'm, I'm with you. I have about three, three runs that I do really well. Uh, when I just plan on doing that. Right. And uh, so these rodeos that are like, that are the tournament style, I bracketed, I don't know exactly the correct way to call it, but like San Antonio, it sets it up to where those first couple rounds, you're you're generally going to try to make that that run that you can catch, but it's still pretty fast. And, um, and then that way, when you draw a real good steer, you win first or second. When you draw them stronger steers, you get paid. And so you can kind of add that money up and get in advance. Yeah. And then, uh, like we talked earlier, the, the second one is the, uh, the run where you kind of got to go pretty fast like you did at San Antonio. And you've got to be three. Yeah. You, know, you got to win first. And when you connect, it, it's, it's great. And uh, it's usually getting paid right there where it needs to. Mm-hmm. But the scenario that I'm curious about is, uh, like this year at, at San Antonio, and it happens a lot, is like the American the other day, um, where you're going against 10 guys, and four or five of the teams have win. And usually, they those first few teams, you go, you just start off with your run that's fast. You know, you is that is that kind of where you would be in the first handful of teams? Yeah, if I'm in the first uh, the first couple teams, I'm thinking I need to I need to go aggressive, but not you know swing in the box and throw it at the barrier like an aggressive uh, at San Antonio. Say if I was in in the finals in the first four teams, an aggressive four two four three would have been what I was going for. And then if everything set up right for my partner, we could be four flat. And if everything did set up right, we could be four six or whatever. Right. But basically, I, I agree with you. Because that run, you make it, it's on the other guys to beat you. Um, mm-hmm. And you use your steer, you use your horse. And if everything goes together, you can still win the rodeo. But as you get deeper into the, those situations, you know, there's... Like this year, it was it was kind of soft for the first four or five teams. Those guys didn't make the run for whatever reason. And then it's a stacked lineup of guys no matter where you're at. Uh, do you ever lay up in that situation and take the money um, and, you know, like go just try to win a check? Or how do you look at those rodeos like that? I think uh, if I was – if there was four or three teams after me where I could guarantee winning fourth – uh, then that's where a guy's got to think about. You you got to catch, but you you wanna you wanna give yourself a chance to win something if those other guys mess up. You don't want to make it where I safety up and then all they have to do is just still safety up and beat me. Um, so I think still, you know, if you're not the second to last team out at that point, you need to just still be uh, because to make it there. 
it was super easy to be 4-3 the whole rodeo. You know, 4-4, 4-3 was an easy run to make over there because the barrier was short and the steers were nice. And uh, So I think you still got to do that, uh, especially knowing that Dustin Egeskis is at the end because even if you come over the gates and you go 3-9, he's still going to turn the steer faster than you. So it's all up to what his partner wants to do. So uh, I think it's not... It's not the right time to try to be three, but you don't want to take seven swings and, and go be six either. Right. You're you're trying to max out the amount of money that you can win while lowering the risk. Yes. Right? Is there any scenarios where you try to get one off in the box and win the rodeo right there? Uh, man, maybe if I had done good, say, at Denver and had 10,001 after Denver or something like that, and I had a nice... 16 18 and already won five or seven at san antonio i could i could totally stand behind getting two off in the box and try to be three five or or three eight uh especially knowing what the steer was but my catch percentage is just so much better if i if i pull my rope down get one as my horse leaves one at the barrier and and put it on to be four four that I think my percentages would be way smarter to do that than it would be to cock it and and uh, not ride my horse as good. And if I had the perfect steer, I think I would probably still do that. But I think my percentages are way better to just be 4-4 and, and hope that I win third for sure. And then, you know, 4-4, you got a good chance to move up to second. Right. Well, and that's what's so crazy about roping right now is it was San Antonio, for example, the first five or six teams, or yeah, first five or six teams, there wasn't really that fast of a run made, and then all of a sudden, yeah, was there two four two flats, four flats and like a four three and four four or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. like it, it got fast, and it all happened in the last four or five teams, mm-hmm. and uh, it's where it makes it kind of like uh, you gotta be a header and a healer that can make multiple runs but kind of know the situation and and that's what's uh it's really becoming unique about these winter rodeos and even like Cheyenne went to that format and stuff you mm-hmm. you kind of got to have a run that like you almost got to have a feel for the rodeo and then your run and know where to place it and where to where to take calculated risk with yeah. think? yeah I think uh, I think at those tournament rodeos unless you're right at the end I think you just have to try to make the fastest run because you have to try to win first and then hope that uh, somebody else doesn't beat you. And, and if they do, you don't get beat twice because, I mean, you have to win first. Like Fort Worth's only two steers over there. You had to win first or second the first night to realistically have a chance to make it back uh, unless everybody just messed up the second night. But... Even at San Antonio, the first steer, I'm going to try to win first every time because I've got two more after it to to win money on if I mess up that one, you know. Right. And just playing the percentages, you just kind of, if you can connect twice, you're, you're yeah. going to have a great rodeo. Once, you'll still probably make it back. Yeah, and, even uh, uh, over there, Matt Sherwood, he won a pile of money. He turned three steers. He turned three, and but you know, in his set, he knew where he was at. He went at the first two, messed him up. He knew, okay, if I win this night, I can make it back. He won it. Comes back in the semis, wins first one night, 
makes it to the short round, goes four slot in the short round, wins second the rodeo, wins 20000 or something. I will tell you one thing about Matt Sherwood is when there's money up, mm-hmm. a lot of it, you're not getting much away from him. No. I think he is one of the, the best headers around when there's money up. He just yeah. knows how to win. But And no. he's the most... Uh, He's just the catchiest guy, too. So if he's going at steers like that, that was kind of my point. If he caught three steers over there, it's because he was going at them. Because if he's trying to catch, he's not missing. But, you know, if he plays it that way, then it makes sense. Chad, he went he went at the first one. or He had a, a real bad steer. He was in my set and caught the first one and won it. It was fell apart. The second day, I went 4-2, 5 5-2 or something, won it the first night. I come back and go 4-2 on the second one thinking, man, that was awesome. We're going to win it right here. And then Chad already won 2,500. Four nines win in fourth. Uh, he goes three nine. Just right. two off in the box and over the gates. Like, So that's how those guys play it. So uh, that's kind of what I what I look at is is how those top guys do it. And, and it's real similar to what I thought about it too. You're just trying to max your run out and the amount of dollars that you can win because it's just like Chad he's pretty when you win around over there in that that first set the first sets of San Antonio or basically anywhere mm-hmm. you're guaranteed you're almost always guaranteed a spot back yep and so now he's like you know first pays whatever 20 what is 2500 and yep. so last in the rounds are going to pay right around um, I think it's 25 Two, twelve, fifty, seven, fifty, maybe. Right, and there's a big difference between first and fourth. So he's gonna try to make the run that wins four or first, and yeah. and and make those and get a big amount of money out of this rodeo, and and I think that's where it translates to is understanding like, hey, we're, there's only gonna be about four or five rodeos all year that really have that situation where you can put a big amount of money together, and it's usually first or second. Yep. And, uh, you know, those deals, they're kind of they're the playoff format when that's down to that shootout. You know, that's those are usually the two best checks. And uh, by a bigger amount than a normal, like, 10-money rodeo one-header, right? Yeah. Uh, there's even a couple of rodeos that, that are like that, the 10 monies, like Cody and San Juan. San Juan's a little different because it's only 30 teams, but I play it the same way. I think it pays 9000 something to win it. You can pretty much catch a steer, make a nice run, and you're going to win a couple thousand. But, man, 9,000 to win first is... The guy almost has to go at, go at him to try to win first or second. Yeah, I mean, if it takes 70,000 to make the NFR, you yeah, can catch get him. Yeah, you can get one-seventh of the way there on one steer. Yep, with 64 more steers to run or whatever yep. it is, or rodeos to go to. And I think that's... That's uh, the situations now, rodeo winner. They're, they're getting to be pretty complex between, I mean, it was always seemed like it was a one-header, a two-header with an average, or two and a short. And you kind of had the runs that you knew that you needed to make. Like Livingston, Cody, you know, you got to go max one out to, mm-hmm. to win something. And then you get those, those rodeos where it was two and a short. Uh, it's a little bit different deal where you can kind of have a steer that's a little off. Um, but like you said earlier, you if you catch that first steer, you want to get paid in the first round. Yeah. And and it's because a lot of those times, if it's a two-head rodeo, like Spanish Fork or something like that, it's 
you really don't get a layup and just go okay. catch the second one. So if you hadn't won any money in the first round, and then you're in a situation where I need to still make a pretty good run, but it's really hard to place in the second round, you're like, okay, you only have the average money to go at, and it's usually not as good because those teams that did place in the first round are, are going for average as well. And so you're behind all those guys. And it's like, you know, you're coming from 10th or 12th or 15th high callback trying to win something. Yep. And so that's why it's like, you've got to have a run that can get in those top four or five, six, eight monies in the first round that's consistent enough to, to keep your, keep your money together. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't just go at the first one, but the first round is always 10 times easier than the second one. So if, uh, if you can go four, six, why wouldn't you try, you know? So that's what I think. If you show up to a rodeo like Spanish, which, you know, you just have to go so fast at all of them at Spanish anyways every year, but even a, a different rodeo like Ogden that's not as tough in the rounds, usually every a couple of years it is, but you got the first one and you win something or you lay up at the first one and you go six and you take yourself out of a chance to win something by doing that. So then you come back at the second one and you still have to place in the round to try to win average money. And right. yeah, if you can go 4-8 on the first one and win something, then you can come back on the second one and say, okay, well, I can I can still go 4-8 and I can win third in the average because somebody's always going to be freaking stupid fast or I can, uh, I can go catch this one and win something or, you know, you can evaluate where you're at from there, but... If you don't try to win something on the first one, then you're always, I mean, the second one turns into basically a one-header that hopefully you can win something in the average if you catch him. Yeah, I I think that's a big thing to, to rope in nowadays is having a run and knowing where to make it and where to to risk and where to, to press and where to not. And... Uh, Man, I, I do. I agree with you. I think that that run that's like it's almost the same as a fifty-team, sixty-team one-header rodeo. Yep. It's like you, you know you're you're gonna be pretty aggressive. It's just not dirty, dirty tough. But if you can make that run, you it feels like that's a little higher percentage where you get that one good stride out of your horse and you're kind of yep. pretty aggressive. And I think that's that's where it gets. <laughs> When those start connecting, you can really add up the wins and, and get some bigger hits in, too. Yeah, I think I think what you said about making your run all year is is the deal because you start at Odessa, and the boxes are short and the steers are closer, so you're faster on your run. Then you get out in the summer, and, and my point, though, is that Chad does the same thing all year long. He makes the same run. Riley, every, every ready it goes to, hits the barrier good, goes to the steer. He never reaches. He never does anything stupid. T-Wade, everywhere he goes, he hits the barrier pretty good, and he reaches every steer. And he knows he's going to do it. He does it at 65 rodeos a year, and it pays off for him. Uh, I think I've gotten into that before in the middle of summer thinking, man, why am I being so aggressive? Everybody else is just catching. Clay trying makes it look so easy instead of just sticking to my game plan. Do what I do on every single steer. It's going to pay off somewhere. Uh, but, you know, you have a run like Riley. He knows I'm not going to win first a lot. I'm going to win a lot of checks. T-Wade goes the other way. I'm going to win first and second a lot. 
when I place. Uh, you you got to pick what you want to do before you start and, and then not try to change it throughout the year. That's what's hard is uh, is sticking to your plan right. all the time. But if you do that, then you're way better off. Well, I think that's a, that's a really strong point. Uh, T-Wade, he tells me at Reno, he's like, man, it's hard to not try to win one of those day monies when they're paying 4000 So they're just right there and he can do it. And, and that's his mindset all year. And he's going to win, just like you said, a lot of firsts and seconds. Chad has a run. And both of those guys are usually at the NFR, really close yep. to it. And, uh, and they're both great at staying with their run. I think that's, you're exactly right. You can get in a lot of trouble. And I think that's where summers can really go bad when you get watching. It's, it's especially like a Caleb Driggers or someone like that uh, that can, or Dustin, I guess, because it's really, they're just got so much game. And you're like, man, these guys are just ducking them straight back. I need to press. Yep. I need to do that. And it just completely takes you out of your element and uh, you're playing their game, not yours. Yeah. Well, it's easy to do it when it's going right. You know, it's easy for me to make my run all the time, but being uh, rodeoing more, you realize now, you know, Riley, Chad, they're they're more conservative over the summer, and there's a lot of times where they catch and they don't win anything, but it don't they don't let it affect them. Dustin, he'll go for a week and not catch a steer, you know, but at the next one, he still does the same thing. T-Wade does the same thing. He, uh... Hunter was telling me yesterday, him and Matt, they won 16,000 or something over the fourth. And then they made their run and they weren't catching, they weren't doing good. They didn't win nothing clear until Idaho Falls, Preston, all that week. They won nothing for a whole month. Right. Basically three and a half weeks. Like yeah. That was the first week of August from the yep. first week of, yeah. And they're doing month. the same thing. Just it just wasn't winning. It wasn't working. They changed nothing, and they won fourteen thousand that week. A uh, uh, Preston, uh, Idaho Falls, Heber, Great Falls, all of them. They won fourteen grand that week. I think that's why it's so important to watch these veteran guys like Matt. Great example. I mean, he's not going to press the panic button. He's mm -hmm. just going to stay with it, and he knows. I mean, yep. We just seen it the other day at San Antonio. Just like I said, he tried to go real fast, missed a couple, and then he goes and catches. And I think he was one of the first guys that at San Antonio, I think it was a real good example. When he went, it it might have been pretty open. Mm -hmm. I think it might have been just like a five. And he still yep. he takes he makes that run that wins. It's guaranteed really good money. And it, did it split the round, too? I think they split it, yeah. yeah. There's still four flat, and everything really come together for him. But it was like, it was, it was perfect heading in that situation. And I think that's where you get those veteran guys, and you can really learn a lot from them, is they, they stay consistent to what they do all year. From, yeah. uh, just like you said, Odessa to Stephenville. Yeah, yeah, and they know... Uh, they know the places like I'd never been to Estes Park before last year and that's just part of being young and not being at many places but uh, we were in maybe the fourth perf and the slack was still after us but you know 40 teams had gone when we went and it was so easy so yeah. easy like we'd have been I think we'd have been uh, 
Jason roped the leg, and we'd have been maybe 5-1 or 4-9 or, or something. We'd have been winning second. Yeah. And we went. And after 40 teams, if you're winning second, you're usually winning something. And I just didn't know. It seemed like easy, but I couldn't figure out why nobody would caught, you know. Well, after the slack, I think maybe 4-8 didn't win nothing. Yeah. It's like those guys know from the start. And, and there were some of them guys in my perf that – that are old veterans that know what they're doing and they were bombing and I couldn't figure out why like what what are they doing why are they being stupid like that well they know you know they know where they're at they knew that Estes always ends up like that uh places that are that are that way just turn out that way and they know well and yeah so typically too like Estes is a really good example because it's um it has a hundred teams usually right around there Mm -hmm. And there's usually half enough steers, and they're pretty fresh in that first run. So the start's not very true. And uh, if you can hit the barrier, you can have a roll and blast one. Mm -hmm. But it is so hard to do it when one steer might start and the next won't, and they're just really inconsistent and you don't know them. And that's that's why not a lot of money is won in that first draw. But as soon as those steers start leaving true and the headers know what they are, they get after them. Yep. And that's that's just part of it is like at Estes, if you take a run earlier in the week, you know, you know you're gonna have to be super aggressive to win something and it's gonna be hard, but you get a, a late run probably at Casper and you'll know what it takes to make it back over there at Casper and what the steers are doing. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's just like if you can if you know what type of run it it takes to win, that's that's where it kinda comes together like that. So Yeah. All right, well, man, we, we've been going for a while. I do have one last question because it just happened last night. Uh, Calgary added team roping. So <laughs> there's mixed emotions because uh, this is what is so frustrating about the PRCA is that in the, this last year or two, there's a lot of good things happening, especially lately with TV and, and Cowboys being our mm-hmm. So we've got all these opportunities and how exciting is that to be where now like you know you, you're able to watch the rodeos on tv and there's a lot of marketing opportunities that are looks like it's going to present themselves for cowboys but there's the wrangler tour the pro rodeo tour and it's supposed to be a certain amount of dollars added to be a tour rodeo and they let a few rodeos slide with less added money and you're like man i'm pretty sure in the rules it's said this way but we're gonna let a couple things go so these rodeos can still be there and you're like okay and then calgary never had team repping before as far as i know um, i don't know how much is added in each event but i do know is it fifty thousand in the final uh, four is what it pays 50 then 25 something like that it pays a hundred a hundred a hundred okay sorry yeah a hundred thousand and then 25 i think 25 maybe yeah so yeah it's a big gap in uh in the that final four for that shootout but a huge huge rodeo can change can make your whole year, right? Yep. And uh, and to my knowledge, or do you know much about it? Like on how much is added at Calgary? Uh, yeah. So I don't know the exact dollar amount in the other events, but I know the team roping they added thirty five thousand. Right. And then with the five hundred dollar fees, which I don't know about the fees in the other events, but I would almost bet they don't pay fees. Uh, with the five hundred dollar fees, there's going to be fifty thousand in the pot total. So that's a good rodeo, but it ain't compared to what the rest of the rodeo is. Right. And uh, 
Yeah, Garrett Tanazi's post really nailed it on Facebook. Uh, it's an amazing rodeo, and it's awesome to have the team roping. But for it to be approved, if the rodeo has a short round, which they're doing in the team roping, it has to be equal money for it to be a PRCA rodeo. And they're not doing that. And, uh, and that's wrong to just break the rules. But also... I see it from both sides because you got to start somewhere, you right. know. Uh, I uh, I think that they're on the right track of you got to have the rodeo, they got to have team roping before they're just gonna add it in and add all that money. They got to have it first, but uh, it seems more to me like the PRCA just wants their six percent of that rodeo than they care about making it better for the Cowboys. I got that same same feeling too. The I asked Kelsey Chase this the other day when I, I did a podcast with her about breakaway roping. If it would, you know, what do you think it'd take to get to the NFR? And I just was curious, but I asked her the question: If they didn't give you the same amount of added money as all the other events, would you still want to do that? And she said yes. But I love this part of it. She said. Yes, if they could show me a pathway to how to get it to the same as all the other events. Yeah. And I thought, man, that is such a strong answer. And I feel, I really feel that now in the team roping because, like, okay, here's Calgary. If you said, all right, we're going to add, is it 10% of what the other events are getting? Probably. It's probably pretty close to that. It's, so it's 10%. So they're getting, all the other events are getting 90% more money, which sounds really bad, but... There's no team roping there, so yep. you got now you at least got team roping. But if you're like, okay, three years from now it'll be equal money because this is the roadmap to that. You know, we're gonna start this year, next year it's gonna go here, we're gonna add a little bit more, the fees will change, whatever they wanna do. Mm -hmm. um, but it just seems like okay, we're gonna test it out this way and make it a PRC rodeo, but is it, there's really no guarantees and, and man that's that is the one thing for a professional rodeo association. It sure seems like we're uh, there's rules that are changed pretty quickly, yeah. and uh, and it's I don't know if it's <laughs> I don't know if it's right or not. I I, I yeah. as what a team I, roper, I don't think it is. What but. I think is gonna look bad for us is uh, that that money counts now. Calgary's gonna count for the calf roping and stuff. So the calf ropers get to go to hundred rodeos this year. And there's going to be somebody at the finals with over 200,000 one. I don't know how much. I'm sure all of the 100 doesn't count. But right. still, even if 50 counts, there's one more person that gets into the finals for sure because of that. And then at 100, you know, 15th place is going to have dang near 100,000 one. And then the team roping is going to be 70. Yeah. And it's going to make us look look uh, pretty bad first place in the calf roping is going to have probably close to 200 and the team roping is going to have about 120 well and and that's man it just opens up a whole can of worms because that, that's a really really good point um it takes away a spot at the nfr um, essentially when you give a mm -hmm. guy fifty thousand dollars he's pretty much made the nfr and uh so that that's something that's pretty big but also you gotta think team roping makes uh um I don't know the exact number. But it's I think, over half of the membership, I think. So over half the members in the PRCA are team ropers. And you're not letting them, you're not making it mandatory that everyone runs at the same amount of money. It's, it's kind of odd that I understand that team roping is not as entertaining and as 
a rough stock event or even I think breakaway roping is probably as entertaining as anything but there are some some things you could make that argument to the crowd that team roping doesn't look the best and in team roping you got to go a lot faster and so the miss there's quite a few more misses than mm-hmm. any of the other events but what it takes to make a good run there's a lot that goes into it and so for for ropers to under or fans to understand that's kind of tough but from the rodeo association perspective man it sure seems like wouldn't you want to keep 50 percent of your members really happy yeah so i don't know i don't know the balance there but i i do like talking about it because hopefully it will inspire some some change and uh and the sport's going the right way i really do i agree i think it's going the correct way right now i agree i think the cowboy channel is going to do a lot for us uh you know before everybody wanted to know how i did they'd all look at the results everybody from home well now we would go three on one at the semis and everybody watched it and i'm uh before i'd even got out of the arena and could turn my phone back on i had 15 messages from people at home you know good job so so happy for you and uh, i think i think that's going to take us a long ways oh i I agree and well and i think what it's going to do too is it's going to get the ball rolling on uh your crossfire rules and things like that because I'm telling you, I watched San Antonio, I watched the first, uh, I watched a few of the rounds, a little bit of the roping, uh, but that night, I think I was at the pre-roping, uh, the Mike Survey, that you got flagged out for Crossfire, and the next morning when I got on Facebook, I'm talking groups, like, it was bad, like, it reminded me of the Saints, uh, I don't know if you're a football fan, Saints-Rams call, the, the pass interference, the no call to go, yep. uh, I think it was to, not to go to the Super Bowl, but the... The game before, but one of the, probably the worst call in NFL history, right? It reminded me of that. You know, I I was waiting for there to be memes of the crossfire, <laughs> and I was just like, man, it's but it creates a lot of buzz when you put it out there on that scale. Yeah. And so it, I think, in change, it's it's gonna force it's gonna force them to make changes to rodeo a little faster than. Hey, if there's 20 cowboys that saw it that night and fans that maybe not really understood what was going on that aren't diehards, but when you get the whole yeah industry watching a run and they're like, hey, this ain't right. Now, now you got to make moves, and and I think that's where Cowboy Channel's doing great. Uh, I'm really excited about those things because it's just like you guys, you know. It's hopefully next year. Um, it'll be a situation where those kind of things can be corrected. Yep, I hope so. Or even before then. So, well, man, uh, we covered a lot today. Is there anything else you <laughs> want to cover on this podcast? Not that I can think of. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, and man, that was fun. Yeah, thanks for having me.